0: All right, welcome back, Uh, season three, episode 10 of MVP uh, Real Estate Podcast. We have Connor Webb here from uh, the Northwest uh, Vancouver area. A financial lender, uh, gonna speak to a little bit about what he does, how he helps buyers and investors through uh, navigating the wonderful world of finance. Uh, So let's bring him in.
1: Well, yeah, thanks again for having me. Um, So yeah, I'll kind of go into my backstory and how I got into mortgage lending because I'm a residential mortgage lender, uh, which means that I can lend on properties anywhere from a single family residence up to a fourplex. Uh, Beyond a fourplex would be considered a commercial property um, and everything in between there. Um, So yeah, I I grew up in Vancouver, Washington, uh, just north of Portland, Oregon. Um, I went to high school here, and then I went over to Washington State University over on the east side of Washington uh, for my college uh, degree. I ended up ma- majoring in finance and marketing over there. And throughout, I tell the story, throughout the summers when I was working there, I was working in a, a steel mill, the summer hire, you know, 12-hour shift, swing shift. And I found out pretty quickly. That sounds
0: quickly,
2: fun. Yeah, <laughs>
1: that was a blast. <laughs> no, I found out pretty quickly that I didn't want to you know, continued doing that after school. So I ended up, uh, getting connected to the, the millionaire real estate investor by Gary Keller. Yeah. And so that's actually how I started, or that's how I first heard about, you know, investing in real estate and passive income. So I was like, okay, well, I need to figure out how to, to, to get investment properties. So after, after I read that book, that's when I decided to major in finance just so that I could try to learn as much as I could about whatever I could. And through that, I just had, uh, once I I graduated, I got a foot in the door at a local mortgage company. I had never really thought about the loan side of things. Um, But then I I just figured that with where I want to go with it, that it would help me learn a lot of the concepts that I need to invest in real estate long term. So I started by working with um, a loan officer on her team just learning about mortgages and the process. And I was basically reviewing income documents, that type of thing. And then after about a year and a half, that's when I branched out, became a loan officer myself. Um, And then I got connected to uh, the management at the branch that I'm at now. And so I've been here for over three years now. And uh, yeah, I've been in mortgages for going on six years. And I'm just naturally a numbers person, detail-oriented. And so it kind of comes naturally with being able to, you know, set up loans and figure out what scenarios are going to be best for certain clients based on their needs and their goals. Um, so yeah, I've really enjoyed being able to help people, you know, people that think they can't even qualify for something, being able to get them pre-approved or if they need to repair credit and get on a plan, um, I'm able to help them figure out what they need to do to qualify. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So that's,
2: Connor, this is great. Um, I think my husband and I might be talking to you after the show. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> so do you help people like get creative with their financing then? I know I've talked to a couple of um, couple of realtors and they're like, well, you really have to interview your, your mortgage lender too. And I'm like, really? Like, they're not just all like cut from the same cloth? I had no idea.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's really a- about figuring out what your goals are, you know, what how much you have for down payment, cash to close, those types of things, where you want your monthly payment to be. And then just kind of, yeah, looking at the big picture of what your overall goals are. And then we can get creative with financing. Um, and then, yeah, it just comes down to figuring out what exactly you want to do,
0: so. Well, that's awesome. yeah, that's The more and more you go down and you talk to more mortgage lenders, you find out how different they are. Um, And some are company protocols, some are, I mean, you're always bound by the company rules, so I'm not going to disregard that. But other people, um, they just like the clean cut. It's a family moving into a single family home. These are how mortgages work. This is the boxes we have to check.
2: Mm -hmm. And you
0: can get a feel from that as you interview them. And then there's other people like yourself that can get a little bit more creative, that understand that it's not all. Like fitting in this nice little perfect box, you've got investors coming in. There's a little bit of uh, little nuances that are different for investors. Right. That I'm sure you can speak on in terms of how much money they'll actually lend you.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah. On your home, so there's there's little little things, and those are the questions that the more people you talk to in the mortgage world, you're gonna find those things out. So if you're trying to get into investing, talk to a few people um, to see what their differences are in. Have you ever had a question that was asked where you were like, you overstepped, that was, that was the wrong question?
1: Where it was the wrong question?
0: Yeah. Or like, uh, out of the box didn't apply. Cause I feel like a lot of people go into meetings and they're like, I don't want to ask the wrong question, the mortgage lender. And I'm like, no, no ask those questions. Yeah, They need to know it.
1: And, and kind of speaking to that, um, and some people are hesitant to want to, or some people might be held back because they don't want to talk about certain things or they they don't want to face, you know, the reality of where things are. Like if they do need to repair their credit, it may be harder to actually get those people to come in and talk because it's like, they're avoiding that. Um, Yeah. But, but yeah, there is no wrong question because I mean, this is what we do for a living. Like there's so many different guidelines that, you know, you have to follow and things are constantly shifting Uh, the max loan loan limits are changing every year. Um, so we land basically directly off of the conforming guidelines. So whatever the government sets as their guidelines for conventional uh, VA, USDA, FHA, we basically go off of those guidelines. Um, and those are constantly shifting, as I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, once, when we were going through COVID, it was a very interesting time. Um, uh, loan guidelines became more restricted than, than before to have a higher credit score than before yeah. um so it's constantly a, a, an evolving market and yeah it's definitely good to, to have a conversation fill things out ask a lot of questions and then that would give you a, a better idea of w- what might be the best option for you so
0: yeah and whenever i'm dealing with clients in terms of either an investor or uh one of my clients who are just going to buy a single family or a, a duplex um i always tell when you meet with the mortgage lender like be as open as you possibly can, because at the end of the day, once you get through underwriting, they're you are they're gonna find out regardless, and you'd rather find out early so you can set yourself up to when you go to underwriting, it goes smoother, because then you run into problems of like, hey, you didn't tell us this thing, we can't close on your loan. So right, and, and now we, you're and It's like, oh, now what do we do?
1: Right, and, and we can't see the future and like foresee what problems might come up. So yeah, being, by being as open as possible, like, okay, I own like five properties. These ones have mortgages on them. I own this business uh, so that we can thoroughly take a look at all the tax returns, figure out what income we can use from the business. Um, If you're renting out properties, we need to be able to document certain things. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's very important to get everything dialed in beforehand, before someone's incurring costs of an appraisal or earnest money um and get too far into it without being ready to go so
2: so it was really funny the the other day i was looking um at images online and i and i ran across this image when it was asking um should you get pre-approved before you start looking at homes and it was a, a pie chart and the pie chart was like broken into like quarters so it was like three quarters says yes absolutely you should and then the quarter that was like different said Yes, but it's just in white instead of like the other. Yeah, right. So it's like you guys have, you have to get pre-approved before you even start looking at houses, even though I'm not pre-approved yet and I'm looking at houses again. So,
1: (laughs) yeah, it's, it's very important because, um, there's a lot of variables that can change, you know, how much we can use for your qualifying income. Mm -hmm. And so if it's a, a fixed income, then it's pretty simple if your salary or hourly rate, then we can use, you know, the full amounts that you're guaranteed by your employer. Uh, we basically get a verification of employment from the employer, and then compare that to the pay stubs. And if things aren't matching, then we need additional explanation from the employer on what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, with variable income, such as commission, bonus, uh, those types of things, we have to average that over a two-year period. So someone mm-hmm. might be, you know, they or might be a 1099 employee. Well, yeah, if you're 1099 and you're self-employed, yeah. mm-hmm. then we need two years of tax returns before we mm-hmm. can use income. That makes sense. And it's going up of your net income, so after you write off expenses. So someone might think that they make this much, but after they write off everything, they really don't qualify for as much as they think.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And that's a big thing that I've seen missed in the past is after your deductions, that would be your actual rate. Right.
2: Rather right. than what your net is. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: I've seen that twice, I believe. Uh, is there any other things that you've seen from either investors or people just looking to get their, their first house or their next house, like on the financial side of things that, are, that you see that tend to be unorganized or incomplete? That if you, had, if you had a broadcast over your area and say like, please everybody get these ducks in a row, what would you, what would you tell them? Yeah, I mean, I guess
1: it would be going back to what you said before: is me with a lender. Um, You know, if someone is has a goal of maybe wanting to buy in the next six months, I always recommend just start the process now. Take a look at where your current situation is at, because if you're able to qualify, then great. Now we know that, and then we can just repool credit down the road. Um, Credit reports last 120 days, which is four months. So, um, yeah, take a look at at, at your current situation, see where things are at if there's any issues that come up, then we can get ahead of it. And if we need to get you on a six month or a year plan, we can. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, people tend to try to push off the pre-approval. Like, oh yeah, I'll get pre-approved when I find a house I like. It's like, that's not how it works. No.
0: Especially in this market. Right. Exactly.
1: It's it's so extremely competitive. Um, and then I, I typically like to call uh, the listing agents on the properties that my clients offer on
2: mm-hmm.
1: so that I could speak to their qualifying for that property and say, Hey, this person's ready to go. We verified their income already. Uh, we got, we got them through underwriting that type of thing. So they're more inclined to accept that offer because it's a strong offer rather than someone else submitting a rocket mortgage. Yeah.
2: preapproval, yeah. which really
1: doesn't mean anything.
2: Right. So, so Marcus, I really feel like I selfishly brought him on to the podcast today so I could get all the information <laughs> in again for my next <laughs>
0: No, it's not selfish at all. We're, we are talking to three different mortgage lenders in our area um, <clears throat> because we're trying to get, we have all of our properties are buying holds in cash right now. And we're trying to refinance them out and we're caught in this little bubble where we could go either portfolio commercial loan or take mortgages on each individual house. But we're trying to figure out with where we are as a company, what would be our best set up for future because obviously if you do and you can speak to this too you're you're kind of capped with the amount of mortgages you can take out on individual properties i believe it was five
1: so so the uh max uh, loan amounts that you can have like conventional loans is actually 10 is it 10 yeah you can have up to 10 conventional mortgages on properties and still you can get up to 10 um beyond that it, it doesn't matter how many properties you own so you can own 15 properties have eight of them financed and then still buy another finance property. It's just the amount of finance properties that you have. And I'm actually working with a client right now. Um, he's been building fourplexes over the past couple of years, and he's just getting to the point to where some of them are uh, coming or are, are being completed. So now he's doing a cash out refinance to pull some equity out to take some of the expenses of that build back. And so that's been, an experience because he owns, you know, six, seven properties, plus this whole fourplex uh, project. And so having to figure out, okay, with this business and these properties and trying to figure out how to make it work. So it's been fun to be able to kind of see from start to finish and kind of think inside or get inside the minds of an investor like that and see what their, what their overall plans are. So that's been cool.
0: Yeah, over my head. (laughs) Is that all in your area then?
1: Yeah, it's right in Vancouver. Okay. And yeah, I don't know if you know too much about this area, but I mean, it's it's growing like crazy. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of people from California over the past couple of years have been selling their homes, moving up here, uh, Idaho, Colorado, other places. And so we really have an inventory issue here extremely low inventory. There's a ton of pre-approved buyers. It's very competitive. So over the past couple of years, yeah, it's been a bidding war, uh, Mm -hmm. for the most part. And so it's a great area. A lot of people have been here and, um, yeah, we'll see, we'll see how things go now that the fed talked about, you know, raising rates a few times this year, that's definitely having an an impact, um, with mortgage rates going up. So
0: yeah, they're supposed to have their first increase, uh, this month. Yeah, but I don't know if that's put on a pause with everything else going on, but I think I saw
1: that they're raising it a quarter percent in yep. a week or two. Um, but yeah, and then throw in all the Europe, European stuff that's going on, and it's
0: yeah,
1: didn't have any time to breathe from COVID, and now it's right. like we're on to the next thing. Yeah,
0: well, at so least- we'll see what, what happens with the rates, but yeah. I hope they don't. Yeah. I heard the quarter percent, and then uh then I heard whispers of it not happening because of all the European stuff so I guess that's to be determined if it actually happens but yeah yeah we'll see
2: well the nice thing is the consumers at least like even if the rates do go up it's not like it's going to make an exponential like huge difference in what they're going to be paying on a month in and month out basis
1: yeah um it does make a big a, a bit of a difference um in one thing that it might help with is the crazy amount of appreciation that we've seen over the past couple of years, because we've seen, I mean, properties that have appreciated 20 plus percent over the past couple of years, mm-hmm. and yeah. that's just not sustainable. And it's pushing a lot of people out of the market, you know, these high, this high priced area now rates go up. So some of those people that were right on the edge now, if their monthly payments, are hundred, $200 a month or more, they're pushed out of the market. So I'm curious to see if it'll just at least slow the appreciation to a more sustainable amount, mm-hmm. uh, and then refinances are definitely going away. Uh, the past couple of years with rates being in the twos and threes, anyone that had bought, you know, in the years prior was able to refinance lower the rate while, while at the same time, you know, pulling out equity. Now it's like the only types of refinances that really will make sense are going to be cash out refinances. you won't be able to just refinance to lower your rate anymore so Mm -hmm.
0: because it can't go much lower than what it was
1: yeah you can't go lower than 2.5 or whatever
0: (laughs) yeah that's crazy and i was i was blown away with the appraisals um those were still sticking and i thought with the inflation that was going on that was going to be a hiccup for people with financing but it, it was very few and far between that appraisals didn't check out.
1: Yeah. I mean, so many people were able to buy up here cash. And, and that's another thing is cash offers. You know, someone's able to sell their house in California, move up here, buy the same house for cash and bank, you know, X amount of dollars. So it's that's also another tough thing. And right now people are also having to come in with uh, contingencies to where if the appraisal comes in low, that they bring in X amount of dollars to make up the difference because the financing terms can only go up to the lower of the sales price or the appraised value. Mm -hmm. So when it appraises low, either they have to reduce the sales price to make the mortgage terms work or they have to bring in that difference as an additional down payment. Mm -hmm. So people are saying, yeah, we'll cover $30,000 of the difference to try to win a deal. So it's that's
0: Yeah. We've done that uh, with a couple of my clients uh, with that little buffer. They'll, they wanted the appraisal contingency, but they are willing to bring in some cash if it was low. They've lost, they've lost every single one, Jeez. which is yeah. tough. They're in, they're in a tough um, price bracket with a lot of cash offers that are going to come in with it. Um, so they're already kind of fighting uphill and they're looking in areas that there's only one other house on the market. So it's it's pretty tough. If they're buyers in that market, they're going after the one of two houses. Yeah, um, and it's been it's been a struggle for them, and they're uh, not defeated, but obviously they're a first time home buyer, and they're like, "What is going on?" And we're offering thirty thousand over asking, twenty five over asking, and they're like, "We're losing." Yeah, like I know. Unfortunately, you just pick. We're in a weird time.
1: This yeah, is there's the norm. I mean, there's properties. It's not too uncommon to where they're selling for $80,000, $100,000 plus over asking price. And yep. that's just, that's tough. Yep.
2: Do so. you guys think at any point in the near future that this trend is going to change at all? Or do you think, like, I am hoping it's not here to stay. I wouldn't think it is.
1: Um, yeah, so typically as we move into the the spring and the summer, that's when the market starts to heat up. More people will be listing, their kids are out of school, that type of thing. So inventory increases and in that um, reduces some of the competition. So hopefully we we'll start to see that in the near, in the near future. Um, new construction has been going like crazy, but you can't put up enough homes really fast enough. Mm-hmm. There's just so much demand. Um, and then another thought is that over the past couple of years, those people that might be selling right now, decided to refinance the past couple of years and just take the lower mortgage payments, stay where they're at. Mm -hmm. Because if you're trying to buy the same home, um, your payment's going to be X amount higher. Doesn't really make sense to move at that point. So hopefully things settle up and we get some more inventory. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll just have to see. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think with the interest rates going up too, I think it's going to, I think that will change as well but I don't really anticipate that making a real, real big effect until maybe closer to like the third, end of the third quarter. I don't know if you're seeing other things you're obviously in the financial world. So you might have a better gauge on that one.
1: Well, yeah. So um, rates of mortgage rates have actually gone up about a percent over the past two or three months. Um, Just from the Fed talking about the potentially raising rates that's affected the markets, that's affecting mortgage rates. Um, basically mortgage rates have gone up in anticipation of the fed actually raising their federal funds rate. And so once they officially raise the rate, however much that is, if mortgage rates had overcomp overcompensated before, then they might settle down for a bit. But then if the fed talks about being more aggressive with raising rates, because really they're trying to fight the large inflation that we've been having, um, So if they continue to raise rates faster then mortgage rates will continue to go up also. But so I'm curious if we'll see, you know, the high fours this year, uh, fives next year. I'm not sure. So
0: yeah. And then, um, then it's sit and wait to see what happens with everybody who purchased during the, the lower interest time when everything kind of settles back down. Cause one of the big things that I was fearful with was, uh, people coming in and buying, like you were saying, a hundred thousand, eighty thousand over asking, and then when everything kind of goes down, I don't think it will be a crash. And obviously, I'm—that might be just selfish, just because I don't want to see another crash. Um, but I don't think it'll be quite a, a big of a crash as it was in two thousand eight, two thousand nine. But when things start to fall back down to what normal rates would be, what is that going to do for the equity that was? that was in your house and where does that, how does that play into it?
2: Right.
1: Yeah, and kind of what you're saying, I don't see a crash coming. Um, I mean, back in 2008, that was a lot to do with mortgage lending and people being extremely over leveraged and adjustable rate mortgages uh, that got people in (laughs) bad situations. And then it was just a domino effect of foreclosures. Um, With this, it's definitely different. Um, And then again, there's so much demand to where even if, Things settle down a bit, people are still gonna be paying the prices uh, if they're wanting to really move. So yeah, it's interesting times. Yeah, we'll see what happens.
0: Yep. Um, what was what was a, a scenario that you ran across with the client of just insanely over-asking price offer kind of a, a cool story that you had ran across in your area, if you can recall one?
1: I mean, I've heard multiple, uh, I mean, for example, another loan officer in our office, their client submitted an offer for $80,000 over asking price and they still lost. Um, I've heard many go for over $100,000 over asking. Uh, My little brother actually is over in Spokane, Washington on the east side of the state. And that's another area where a lot of people are moving. It's right (laughs) on the border of Idaho and Washington. And he he's a first-time home buyer. We got him pre-approved, and so he knows where his limits at. And he submitted an offer at his limit on this property, and uh, thirty-six offers in one weekend. Holy and of course, he lost. So that just goes to tell you how how hard it is, and it can be extremely discouraging for people when they're
2: mm-hmm. you know
1: try, putting in twenty offers on properties, and they're still not able to win something. So.
2: I was gonna say we, you know, we were able to put the last love letter in in oregon before they banned them and that's how we got our house and i was like thank goodness that we were able to kind of express why we wanted this house so badly yeah but it's just crazy now
1: yeah well that's good that you uh, were able to get that in <laughs> got that done
2: right but we but, even offered yeah. ten thousand over asking because we 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 went in and we like I think we went in at asking and they're like Is that your best and final offer? And we're like, Uh, guess, guess <laughs> not. We'll be we'll right back. Let me,
0: yeah.
2: you know, erase that, add that. Yeah.
1: Like, so, what's the number need to be?
2: Yeah. I know. Just tell me what you want. <laughs> like, right. And then we'll and then we'll negotiate.
1: Yeah. And then I'll I'll just say uh, one more thing, yeah. I guess, on the investor side. Um. So kind of another thing that's been going on or one other idea that you, you might have is that instead of you know buying another primary residence, uh, you could buy a second home somewhere. And that's what some people have been doing also. A
0: mm-hmm. second home
1: requires just 10, 10% down compared to an investment property, which would be 15% for a single family residence. Yep. And it just has to be at least 50 miles outside of uh, where your primary residence is. And then you could technically Airbnb it a majority of the year, and it's still considered a second home, just as long as you're able to live in that property for I believe it's at least two weeks out of the year. Oh. And then like 10% amount of the time that you rent it out.
0: See Natasha, this is why you talk to a lot I know,
2: 100%. I'm like, my wheels are spinning this morning. We're gonna talk afterwards.
1: Yeah, so instead of you know putting 15, 20% down on investment property in Arizona, buy a second home and uh, do something like
0: that. sweet. Well, yeah, that's, that's really the creative deal. stuff. Yeah, that's the creative stuff that you can get into when you, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, get vulnerable and talk to mortgage lenders.
2: Yeah, I know. There's so many, so many CPAs and financial advisors, and like, there's so many different people, and they each have their own specialty, and it's just yeah. it's overwhelming at times because they're like, wait, who do I talk to about what? You know.
1: And like for this investor that's doing the fourplexes, I connected him with the CPA locally. And we all had a, had a big meeting and he was just asking them a ton of tax questions because yeah definitely consult with your financial advisor or your cpa to talk to them about go through the overall picture of what you what your goals are kind of like what our conversation is and then get their perspective on how to make it happen or things to look out for so that you can just get ahead of everything so you're not stuck with a giant tax bill or right. what happens
0: yep and that's kind of what we're going through we're we're talking to our cpas attorneys uh and then our our mortgage lenders and it's kind of like a sequence we've got to get things stapled down with the attorneys with um paperwork and filings excuse me and then once that's done we we send that to the cpa and then the cpa and the attorney connect hold on one second I've had some late nights. and I feel like I'm getting a little bit sick. Oh, no, is not fun. Um, so yeah, we talked to the attorneys, they connect with the CPA. So the attorney will get his stuff situated passed to the CPA. And the CPA takes what the attorney has drafted up. It was like, okay, this is how everything's going to work on your books. And this is where your, your, I guess, opportunities are. And this is kind of where your your you're pigeonholed. And then after we talk to the CPA, we hand the CPA off to like the, the loan officer and then they take what the CPA had done. So it's all a big sequence that we need right. to order incorrectly because otherwise, if we do it the other way around, then our attorneys will be like, well, you're screwed. Yeah. So the planning piece is huge and it's a lot of conversations, a lot of notes, a lot of questions and learning. Yeah. Um, but if you go to the meeting, like, what, what am I going to learn out of this whole thing? It makes it a lot easier. And those no's that you get, or the, the bad news, I'll call it, um, <laughs> is a little bit less. Because, okay, if that's necessarily bad news, but what is that open? Like, where can we go? Because right. at the you end said- of the day, I want to get mortgage. Mortgage companies want to lend money. We just have to figure out how we can make it work between both. Right. That's a good point. They just have
1: to... You just have to pivot as you find out
0: more, yeah, absolutely um, and in our in our world we we're not fighting against other buyers because we're trying to do the refinance, so we're not in like a time constraint where we're feeling the pressure of like, all right, I need this pre-approval because we found the house we like it's a Saturday afternoon uh, they're presenting offers on Sunday right. we want to put in an offer and you're like, well, probably not <laughs>
1: Yeah, so uh, Marcus, what do you do? Or do you own a, it looks like a renovate. Is that your business that you're wearing a hat for?
0: Yeah, we do uh, renovations. So we flip houses. We do different renovations within them. So on the the new build side, it's usually uh, cash out refinance. Or if we flip it in cash, we just sell it. So we avoid the whole mortgage on it. Um, But the renovations, it's usually like we'll renovate and then the homeowners will go in and get their refinance which is what we've seen like the last like three years. And I'm wondering if that's going to change much, but, um, and then we have our, our hold properties. Okay. So So we have a property management company.
1: Oh, cool. Building a portfolio of properties that you're managing and. Yep. Cool.
0: Yep. And that was all spurred off of uh, if we're going to have our own buy and hold companies and we're going to be flipping houses, we've got staff that can renovate it. So we might as well just open up the property management company and then Obviously, smaller investors in our area, we can take their properties as well and help them out. Yeah. So a lot of synergy in it all.
1: Cool. Yeah. And are you guys uh, mainly in that Milwaukee market or have you been looking at other parts of the country to (laughs) start getting some inventory or investment properties?
0: Unlike Natasha, I am fearful of long distance investing. Yeah. So she is comfortable in it, but usually the stuff that we have is all in like a three county spread I so. wouldn't
2: seem comfortable with it it's just where <laughs> I want to end up yeah do it you know because we feel like Oregon is going to kind of become the new like the Willamette Valley is going to become like the Napa Valley and we're like we'll be priced out of there before we even have a chance to like wave so that's why we bought now
1: yeah that's a great area and it's yeah definitely up and coming with one country um yeah it's a good spot yeah
2: so we're super excited, but now we have to get a house on the coast. So there you go. That's the next one. <laughs> awesome. It's his and her house. You know, my house is on the coast. His house is in the wine country. So
0: there you go. <laughs> exactly. Split your time. <laughs> yeah. um, Connor, with your, with your company and where you guys are at, do you see more of the, I know you went through a, a whole swarm of refinances, but in your typical market, do you see and do you deal with more investors or do you deal with more single-family buyers
1: a vast majority are definitely the the buyers single-family residents Um, it's just the one-off cases to where it's like this fourplex thing this is pretty a pretty unique situation Um, there's definitely other projects going on in the area but it's not nearly as common like if you look at the sales history of a fourplex it's very infrequent uh, in the area in general. So it's definitely the single family residents, people that are, you know, selling a house, buying another house. um, that's the most common. Sweet.
0: Yeah. And I, I was expecting that answer, but I wasn't sure (laughs) if, if you had some niche out where you offered something kind of unique to the investor world, because there's not a lot of, uh, mortgage lenders out there. They're out there though, that deal like exclusively with investment properties, um, and I've actually found one, and they're usually private, uh, private lenders. Uh, one that does like a cash flow clash, a cash flow loan. So basically, as long as you have a credit score of, uh, I think it was 700 for him, uh, it doesn't matter your income. They just take your basis on the property. So property worth does it cash flow? If it cash flows, they'll lend on it. If it doesn't, then. Not sure. out. So it's something unique like that, where they don't fit into the, the typical boxes of the federal guidelines.
1: And I, I spoke with a commercial lender the other week, and it sounds like that's kind of what they do. He, he was with us bank. And so they don't really look a whole lot at the individual, but if, if the property cash flows, then they'll lend on it. So it yep. sounds like that might be somewhat similar but yeah we we're a uh in house lender, and we go off the conforming guidelines, so we do have to verify you know the, the person's uh qualifying with their income based off of the guidelines yeah um we do have uh other companies that we can broker to if needed you know if someone doesn't have an income and they have a lot of assets, then we can uh take a look at other areas if we need to
0: that's when it gets fun, yeah
1: <laughs> no yeah it's. It's a constantly shifting market and there's, you see a new scenario all the time. So it's, it's definitely fun. It keeps you on your toes. I
2: was just going to say, I enjoy it. That's awesome. I'm sure
0: there's a lot of reading and research involved on your end. Yeah. Looking at guidelines and
1: talking with the team. One thing that we do, um, we have a pipeline meeting every day with all of our loan officers and our support staff. So we go through all of the loans on our pipeline every day. So we're all able to hear you know, the different issues that are coming up on different loans, so that, you know, if, if something bites someone's deal, then everyone else has that on top of their mind and can think back to that moving forward. So that's really helpful.
0: Sure. That's really good. You get the experience of other people's um, goods if and bads. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Now, mm-hmm. so is that's everybody awesome. in your office virtual right now, or do you guys like have in office hours or?
1: We've been virtual for a while. Um, we just started moving back to every Wednesday, uh, mm-hmm. all the loan officers meeting in person and uh, every two weeks, all the, su- all the support staff as well. So we're starting to get back to in-person, You know, at least once a week just nice. to see people. And
2: uh,
1: mm-hmm. it's definitely nice to be able to see people in person.
2: I don't know. I like the whole, I don't have to get dressed. I don't have to like be pretty. That's definitely
1: nice as well, <laughs> <I'm> not complaining.
2: <laughs> I can wear whatever I want on my bottom. <laughs> right,
0: exactly. <laughs> it was, for me, I was just ready for everything to open back up because it made, it made like going to get things from the bank that much more difficult because nobody could just walk in the lobby, talk to not someone in the front, but someone in the back, like offices, and they'd be able to get documents and things would move quicker. Yeah. And then we went to virtual and uh, nothing to like, the deficit of the bank, they, they didn't operate that way. They didn't have systems set up for that. Um, but now that they've built the systems, I feel like now that they're opening back up, they've got their online systems kind of like narrowed down Mm -hmm. with speed. So, yeah. Right. So,
2: well, Connor, I normally ask this question at the end. So it is, um, have you done any like DIY projects that you are incredibly proud of, or have you tackled any DIY projects?
1: Um, not yet. So my wife and I, we got married last year. Uh, we bought in or we bought our first house actually, uh, at the end of, uh, March last year. So we're going on our first year in the house. We're going to be starting to do our own, um, or we're probably gonna be hiring out, but we want to do some landscaping in the back. Yeah. Like a patio type thing and a fire pit. Uh, we've actually, we've tried to do, do it yourself stuff, but we have a tendency to just put holes in walls and uh, not have the best (laughs) success so we hire out for what we need to
2: I love it I love it but that's my that's how my husband operates but I'm like I like to get dirty and I like to like break (laughs) stuff and he's like all right go forward Natasha I'm gonna be over here
1: I can be handy on some stuff but uh others not so much yeah
2: (laughs) Sure. sure well you know maybe you can paint a room or something
0: right exactly it's far small. It'll come down the road. There's always something to do with home ownership.
2: Yeah. yeah. I, I just recently like took the tools away from my husband. I was like, we don't <laughs> we don't need you to touch those anymore. We're okay.
0: Hide the toolbox. Yeah.
2: Yes, exactly. I'll just take the toolbox. It's okay.
0: Hey. <laughs> that's awesome. And I mean, in your case, you work in the world of finance and that's where your specialty is. And Maybe yes. you allow the specialty landscapers because landscaping <laughs> is no... Like, it seems easy, but when you're out doing it, it's like, I mean, in my case, you're moving like rocks and in stones and like right. mounds of dirt, and it's not fun. It's usually like 90 something degrees. It's not fun, easy work.
1: Yeah, I don't plan on doing it myself. And it's like, it would take a lot more time for me to mess it up and then have to fix something than to just hire <laughs> a specialist to do it and have them do it right the first time. So,
0: yeah,
2: absolutely. Yeah. And there's
0: a lot of people with those refinances that are pulling money out and they can actually then turn that back around and put it back into their property. And um, exactly gives them the ability to hire the expert rather than being a weekend warrior and trying to tackle themselves. Right. I agree. So thanks. Thanks for you to allow that to happen for some people.
1: Of course. Yeah. And supporting local small businesses. That's where it's
0: at. So, yeah. That's great. Well, I appreciate your, your time on the show. Um, we're coming up on about an hour, which is where we try to keep it. Um, but if there's people in that area, uh, like Natasha, who are going to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you to start that process? And when, I know you mentioned early in the show, but could you reiterate, what would be a good time for them to start reaching out to you in their whole process of either refinance or home search?
1: Yeah, so I'm basically the first stop for if someone's looking to buy, sell, or refinance. If they have any questions or are curious what their situation looks like or any potential um, for moving forward, get pre-approved. I'd be happy to have a conversation, just talk through, answer some questions like we have here. And then based on that, you can either decide to get started now to see where things are at or if you want to wait a few months and it's more realistic to, to wait than we can. Um, yeah, just see where things are at so that you can get a game plan in place. Um, and then, yeah, uh, my website is cardinalfinancial.com forward slash Connor Webb. Uh, if you'd like to get in, get in touch and yeah, we'd be happy to help.
2: Awesome. Very good.
0: Thank Very you cool. Both for having me. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. It was great having you on. Thank you for your time and, uh, enjoy your weekend. We should be getting some good weather. So that's awesome. We'll
1: enjoy
2: Awesome.
0: Absolutely.
2: Thanks, guys, so much.
0: All right, thank you.
2: Bye. Talk
0: soon. Yeah. Bye. All right. Bye.